0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. This afternoon we're having one of our regular roundtable discussions and with me I have club chairman Mr Detailing, John Griffiths, club manager and white van man Nick Wright and board member and Mito registrar David Tudors-Faithful. And joining us this week is our very special guest, Alfa Romeo country manager Damien Daly. Good afternoon gentlemen. Good afternoon
1: everybody. (laughs)
0: Damien, when we do these conversations, we tend to start with a, a little bit of, of background. Obviously, you're a, an FCA employee and, and work for the Alfa Romeo brand, but the, there's, a, there's a passion there as well. Did, which came first? Did you apply for the, the job because you had a passion for Alfa, or did the job give you the passion?
1: I, I think I came to Alfa Romeo relatively late in life. So my background was I worked for another car company Before I joined here and I distinctly remember I was an area manager for this car company it it, it, it was it was Audi actually and I was at a dealership I know uh, it was a dealership which also had Afromo and Fiat and they kind of had shared garages and stuff it was in Wolverhampton which back in probably 198, I think it was yeah it would have been 98 at the time I was driving a pretty nice you know fully equipped big Audi Anyway, long story short, I was in a meeting with this dealer. It was quite a difficult meeting. He received a phone call, and he said, uh, basically, I, 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 can we close the meeting for five minutes? I need to nip out. And I, to be honest, you, I thought there was something wrong. on I was like, is everything OK? Everything's OK. And he went, can I be honest with you? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, the 156 has just arrived, and everybody's coming out to have a look at it. And I was like, what? So anyway, what happened was we all kind of congregated and watch this 156 come off the trailer. So, they had some other garages as well, some other brands. So, there's Audi, I think it was Volkswagen, there's Fiat, there was Alpha, obviously, and a couple of others. And it was like this, I don't know, 20, 30 odd people watching this car come off the trailer. And the minute I saw this car, I was like, wow, this is super cool, super, super, super cool. And then I, that, that was the day I kind of fell, fell in love with Alpha and I started researching. The more I read about, the more I saw. I mean, bear in mind, it's 98. So, I mean, okay, there was an internet, but it wasn't the internet that is today. I, and, I, and I really started to fall in love with the brand. And, you know, I was doing quite well at Audi, but but I really started to follow it I was following the touring cars, which was a bit awkward at the time because Audi were also in the touring cars. And how, how I came... So, in answer to your question, my love for the brand definitely came before the job. And actually, the story is how I got the job is... A friend of mine was working for an agency for Alfa Romeo and suggested that I get in touch with the managing director of Alfa Romeo at the time. And this was in 2002. um, And they were separating then really Alfa from Fiat. There separate field teams um, and everything. So 156 had been out for a while. 147 had been out for a while. 2001 was the big year. Alfa Romeo sold thousand cars. Um, so I called the managing director, whose name was Glyn Owen at the time, and basically said, hey, can I can, can we get together for a coffee? So I came to see him. I remember distinctly the day. And I'm not a big football fan, but it was a big World Cup match. So I at the time, I was living in Chepstow. I drove all the way to Slough. I completely misjudged the journey because England were playing at the time, so no one was on the M4. I remember distinctly sitting in McDonald's for about an hour and a half with time to kill because obviously you never want to be late for your interview. All right, Glenn was actually late. (laughs) I met him. We instantly hit it off. And he basically said to me, if I offer you the job, will you take it? And I'm like, well, yeah. And I drove back to South Wales with my new job. And, you know, coming from a German brand where there's lots of bureaucracy and Things take a long time. I was quite shocked really. So got back Friday night, you know, and basically resigned on Monday. They made me work six weeks' notice, I remember the time. And and then I started with Alfred from And and you know, it was that, that 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 was the story. So I completely bought into the brand, I completely bought into the guy, and I completely bought into everything that the brand was 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 trying to do, you know.
0: And has that level of bureaucracy been sustained
1: ever since? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, care that. Uh, I, I I think working for an Italian company and also working for, I mean, remember, we're also an Italian-American company now, and obviously, you know, we've evolved. I, I think it's a very dynamic environment. Um, I think myself personally, I enjoy that. The, the You know, it's constantly evolving, fast-paced, um, and, you know, I mean there are bureaucracies in any, in any large company, but, 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 but for sure here, the what the thing that I really like about the company is the pace, the enthusiasm, the passion. And we've got some amazing people. We've got some amazing designers and we've got, you know, very, very committed people who are completely bought into the brands and there is a great team morale and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, um, that's kind of what's kept me, kept me here really. And, you know, that was obviously 18 years ago. So,
0: and along that, that journey uh obviously you've you've had access to to cars as part of the job but um but you own at least one don't you
1: yeah so i i i do own uh, an afromo i would like to own more the car that i own is a uh 916 spider in red it's the two liter sadly it's not the v6 probably the only thing that could be better about it um <laughs> It's for those of you who who know the 916, in my personal opinion, it's the best of the range because when the car was first launched in 96, they revised the interior in about 98 and 99. So it's got this kind of silver interior and the revised interior. Uh, But it's before the facelift, which I remember actually working for the company because the facelift was about 2002, 2003. At the time, the facelift looked amazing, but I think the original front grille has probably stood the test of time more so so absolutely love the car had it re-leathered resprayed pretty much rebuilt um it is the, as I mentioned the two litre version I wish it was the V6 in many ways but a- a- absolutely love it but I but I would like to um collect more to be honest with you it's it's not the last and my daughter who's 13 has already got her eye on it so um it will it will stay with me forever. I mean whether or not I stay with aframo forever. I will be an hour from our owner forever, for sure.
0: So um Nick bought a... Yours is a, is a facelift one, isn't it, Nick?
2: And mine's a face three I bought um early this year. I, I, Lincoln, I now so. take everything back. I I've written it down there, No, he's written it down. That's going in the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Can
1: we edit that now? <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> mine's a 2 as well. I think, it, I think it's brilliant. It's well balanced. It does well-balanced. That's plenty yeah. of what I want, so...
1: I'll, uh, with, uh, I'll with, general, if I want some more grants. Do, do you know what I th- I think the nine one six shape is probably one of the most interesting cars out there and I for sure it's gonna be a future classic. I mean it's just getting more more and more and more interesting. The concealed doors, the lights at the front, yeah, the line that goes through the car, the kind of raised boot lids. I mean I think it's, I mean, it, you
2: know, it's awesome the 916s have become the kind of the new batoni coupe and 105 spider among our members it's they're incredibly popular if you come to a national alpha day we we've got you know 70 80 of each there they're fantastic they're, they're much loved
3: and even though, even though the, the the noise of the v6 is nice the twin spark to drive those 916s are fabulous yeah Now almost almost nicer to drive than the v6 to be honest but you don't you
1: just don't have the noise I, I i think the the twin spark engine is perfectly matched to that gearbox which is why it works so well to be honest um i mean there's a bit of flex on the front and i haven't put the reinforced struts which in fairness if you've got the v6 i think it's worth having um but no no i, I mean you're right i mean that twin spark is is a beautiful beautiful sounding engine but i but i constantly constantly look on AutoTrader. to see what else is out there i'm also i also fancy a gtv um i do want a brera but that comes with some i'm very specific about what i want on the brera which i think i probably i'm never going to find it and if i do find it i'm going to be scared because i don't actually know whether what i'd do if i actually found the one that i actually wanted um and one day i would like to own a 4c because i just think that car's just i mean Amazing.
0: Mate. I, have, I have to confess, the uh, the 916 Spider is known in our house as the wrong spider, but but not for any of the reasons you might think. So I, I I've had I'm well, on my second one now, but I've had 939 spiders since uh, 2012. Yeah. And every time we go to an Alpha event, my wife comes back all smiling because she's found a car or a T-shirt or something, and she holds it up and she looks at me and she says, "It's the wrong spider, isn't it?" Yeah, there it is very nice. I'll put it with my nine one six spider model collection, but, but it's the wrong
1: spider. Nine three nine is nice as well, but I mean, to be honest, I I, I just love the Brera, to be fair. And um, also coming back to the question about you know Alfa appearing on my radar, when they originally it was the summer just before I joined. Um, so it was almost so no 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 hang on sorry it wasn't the summer it was the March the Motor Show of the March. Was it two thousand and one or two thousand? Anyway, it was around about the time when I was looking to make the move to Alpha that they unveiled the Jajaro concept for um, Brera, which was, I mean, breath, breathtaking, oh, yeah. breathtaking. You know, with the gullwing doors and yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just like wow. You know, it was just bull. Oh. So um, that that probably contributed a little bit as well.
0: Yeah, I actually went to buy a Brera and came away with the Spider, but that was that's another story. <laughs>
1: It's a close, it's a close, close thing, I think, to be honest So you've you've been with the company
0: eighteen years. You've had a couple of years away from, from Alpha, um, and obviously there's a lot that's changed in in the eighteen years. How much has changed in the couple of years that you've been away from the brand?
1: Well, you know what I mean. I mean, just to just to sort of fill in the last two or three years. So I was head of brand for Alpha Jeep and I left about three years ago. I spent the first six months in Spain, which was pretty nice because the summer was just starting. It's a bit of a change in pace, but I soon started to like it and the sun was coming out. it's pretty amazing. Then I spent the next six months driving around all the cold countries just as the winter came. So Poland, I remember in the snow. I was about to go to Russia and then the whole Salisbury thing happened, so I didn't go. And then, then I moved basically moved to turin um which has been kind of knocking for quite a long time because obviously i've been with the company of sixteen odd, 69 odd years at that point for the jeep brand which is you know another brand which is pretty amazing i mean it hurt to let go of alpha to be honest i mean it really did but i, I worked so i was in an international role looking after amir for from a sales perspective for jeep and that was that was pretty a pretty great time, albeit that I was traveling to Turin. So I left my family here. So I was getting up at 2.30 every Monday morning, catching a flight and arriving in Turin. So if I'm honest, I just came to the end of that really where I was sort of sick to, sick to death of airports. And so this was around about the 10th of February this year. So if you think about what was going on in the world around about then, I mean, COVID a bit earlier, obviously in Italy, I mean, it was starting to be talked about a lot in Italy. And I pretty much finished the job. Some would say probably just in time. Came back here, instantly was kind of getting out and about and seeing dealers, retailers, re-engaging with a new team. And four weeks later, kind of, we locked down. So, and this crazy situation that we've all never been in in our lives before and, and you know, sort of spending the best, well, certainly April and May, confined to my home office, albeit I'm very lucky because I've got a home office. Some people haven't. So I was really getting... I, to be honest really getting back to meeting people and getting the face-to-face I think Alfa Romeo is a brand which fundamentally needs to be driven and it needs to be driven by passionate people and you know passion needs to be harnessed and passion can be positive and if not harnessed you know not not so much and what i'm pleased about is that basically we've 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 got some dealers who are diehard out from our dealers it was good to get back to them and also the key thing i really want to try and do is to reinvigorate those and because quite literally with the julia and the stelvio i mean it would be an interesting debate among the five of us really but probably for sure we've got got the two best Alfa Maris that we probably have for 20 years we, we could debate the 156 and the 147 back in the day I th- and I think that would be an interesting debate but I think the Stelvio and the Julia are you know absolutely up there they've been recognized by the press you know these are four-star five-star cars I, 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 and, I, and I think we really need to to maximize this opportunity and and as I say really harness that passion and that enthusiasm, enthusiasm. our drivers want it I think our dealers want it and that's kind of what I was excited about getting back to, really, and really working with the retailers hard to push these two incredible models which we've got, which I think are full of potential, really. I remember seeing you at the Goodwood Festival of
2: Speed, uh, Damien, when the, uh, the first Julias were launched there. Yeah. Um, seeing that, uh, I thought, I'm going to have to have one of these. Then I went to an Alpha uh, launch at Millbrook. Yep. The first Julia I drove was the 150 horsepower diesel, and it sold it to me <laughs> got in the quadrifolia that blew me to bits um so i, I bought a um a 2017 um speciale diesel and i've just picked up my second very nice spec very nice spec. yeah i've just picked up my second julia today oh wow uh, of a so with with all the gizmos and it's it's just mind-bogglingly fabulous <laughs> and the difference in in the new model is amazing i just love it so you've got a
1: model year 20 yeah yeah i i, I mean when we launched the julia i mean and i think when you look at cars and when you really appreciate cars and not everyone really appreciates cars let's be honest about it so to some people it's just a thing that you know it's not like us you know we really appreciate cars when you when you look at the julia and i've done it and you walk around it often when you look at a car you can think well not. they could have done a little bit better here or why is that like that and, and often it's related to probably things like safety and all these kind of things the julia there is every angle is absolutely perfect on that car the shape of it it's just it's just it's just beautiful i mean it's the kind of car which if it was in a uh you know like a almost like a huge like tony stark iron man man cave you know it would look cool yeah you know it's it's, yes. it's just beautiful but the model year 20 i think and clearly when we launched the julia as you remember you know it was massively anticipated and immediately the, the reviews were fantastic and you know, it was pretty much instantly successful and the amazing thing about our from because if you look at the segment it competes in the d segment it's we kind of defy that because people don't. Manufacturers think about segment cars and the the, the segmented in. but that car, you know, pulls people from all over the place. You know, I mean, because it is so stunning. You know, it looks like a coupe without even trying to conceal the real doors. You know, it's just it's just absolutely perfect. Yeah. But I think the the point about the model year twenty and it's nice feedback that you said is that basically that's just taken it to a whole new level. So the whole infotainment—they're really subtle differences, but the the difference—the yeah. differences are really, you know, for those of you us who appreciate those things, that the differences are are, are massive. They're subtle to some people, and in a way, they are subtle because we didn't need to change much. No, but the things that the things that we could improve, we've really improved. And and um, coming back to kind of when I got back is. The timing of the global pandemic has probably not been great because we were just starting to get the cars when we locked down so it wasn't kind of the launch which we probably all would have enjoyed really i mean literally the cars were arriving just as we were the leaders were closing on the you know uh for us uh, following boris johnson's obviously yeah. advice so so i think we've still got all that to come and the quadrifoglio um I mean we have massive potential with that. That car is absolutely phenomenal. I mean I mean you have to be careful with it. You need to be you need to be you need to have three straight a week before you drive it and be alert. I mean because because it will test you and and that's the beauty of it. You know that's why and and I think we've got a big potential um with that car. Some dealers are really tuned to the opportunity. I think part of my role is to get more people t- turned on to that opportunity and you know it comes back to delivering the out message with a passion and enthusiasm, which differentiates us from some of our competitors. And I, and, 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 and I think that's, it's just, it's just the key word is opportunity, really. I must say
2: also at the dealer, he's recently sold, my local dealer, he's recently sold four quadrifolios, And he's in each case, he's taken in a Porsche, yeah. which is amazing. So outside there was a Macan, which is sold next to uh, the new Stelvia Veloce. And wow, you know, same size, but actually, the Vosche looked stunning next to it, it really did. And the Mekan's a cracking car. but
1: We just talked a lot about the Quadrifoglio, but the 280 horsepower petrol engine is phenomenal, amazing. The, the sound of it, the torque, the driving is I mean, I'm not saying it's better than the Quadrifoglio, because mm. obviously the Quadrifoglio is a different, but I, I think that's probably the, one of the best Alfa Romeo engines for a long time, to be honest it's it's a beautiful engine
0: do you, do you think to an extent the Veloce suffers a bit from being in the shadow of the Quadrifoglio because it, it's it's such a gap on paper and yet as you say it's a fabulous car
1: I I I I, th- I think that the Quadrifoglio is just at such a level I think uh, I've got to be careful sorry. I mean it, it's it's kind of super super extreme I could get into trouble quite a lot in the, the Quadrifoglio you know Whereas, in terms of speeding tickets and probably God knows what else, so so so. Whereas I think the Veloci, I I don't want to say I could live with it all the time because that almost like makes it mundane and it's and it's not. It's just that it's just it can do everything I want it to do and everything I need it to do. To be honest, with you and and by the way more. So so in a in a sense I'm sort of you know it's 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 just a. It's my of of the two. It's probably my favourite because I just know that ultimately the Quadrifoglio will is a you know such such an animal you know five, over five hundred horsepower and but I think but I think the I, I think there's opportunity in 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 in, in both cars. To be honest.
0: And we, we recently had the um, the the formal launch of the GTA and GTAM. Yep. O- obviously that's a, a limited run. Very expensive. Is is the role of that car to increase sales of the Quadrifoglio?
1: I think I think the role of that car is first of all it's a nameplate which is synonymous with the brand, and I think Alframo needs kind of uh, almost demands the amazing heritage which we've got, and and and, and GTA. Think about it. I think the think, the last time was obviously the one five six one four seven era, which. And I think it's a celebration of Alframo. I think it was described as the gift that Alframo gave to the Alfisti for the 110th anniversary, which I think is a really good way of putting it. And I think Alfamore—if you think about some of the cars which we've made, like 8C, which I was massively—I mean, I loved 8C, and I was—I was fortunate because I was the 8C ambassador. I think every now and again, alframo needs to produce these super dream cars, and it's a brand that can. And I think it benefits the overall brand. I think it embraces the alframo community, but also to take your point in terms of the Quadrifoglio. I think the Quadrifoglio story is an amazing one. And, in the last couple of years, it's, it's been when was, I've been away, really. Obviously, we've had the Racing Edition, the Nürburgring, Special Edition. So I think there will be more of these type of cars. And Alfa Romeo is one of those brands. Not not every brand can do that kind of thing. You know, we did it with H C with 500 cars. Obviously, we do it again with GTA, and I think we'll do it again in, in, in years to come. So, but I think, and I think it was Arno Leclerc, who's now the head of EMEA, who said it is the gift from Alfa Romeo for the Alfisti for the 110th. And to be honest, let's be honest, guys, we've probably been robbed a little bit of our 110th this year because of what's happened so i mean i was definitely i haven't driven it yet because no one's not not many people have i'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: we've got or you've got probably the two best cars you've ever had at the same time um and the sales numbers are are not what was expected obviously if you knew exactly what the problem was with the the sales numbers it'd be it'd be fixed but what, what do you think is the role of the dealers in in addressing that and and what else can be done to put Julias and Stelvios in the hands of of the number of people that deserve to have them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a good question. I I, I think um, first of all, if you think about it for a second and you look at Alfamare in the last ten years, um, and you know, I was just chatting to David here, who's on his third mito. I mean, it's, most of our sales up until the um, Julia introduction were. Mito's um, and Juliettas and okay, a small amount of 4Cs. So we were playing in a different kind of area of the market, really. And then, of course, we were launching Julia and things like Quadrifoglio, which were, which were a massive jump from what we were historically selling. So I think, I, I th- I think this comes with a challenge in itself, if I'm honest. And I, I always want to be fair to the retailers because that's not going to be easy for any brand. And I think also when you look at the segments which we compete in with, with I mean, we call it the D segment and the I2 segment, the SMMT classification. Very kind of internalized numbers, really. Don't really mean anything to customers. It's just the size and type of car. Um, those are very aggressive segments. The D segment, particularly the Julia, uh, plays in, is dominated by fleet and also is moving more to hybrid and bordering on electric technologies, which at the moment we, we, you know, we don't we, we, we don't have in, the, in, in in that car. And the fleet point is a valid one because the fleet industry in the UK, and I've seen this very clearly now, I always knew it was different to the rest of Europe, but I've really seen it very much so now. I mean, fleet is so significant here and our from now as historically, and a key word historically, not necessarily had the emissions and things like that and the benefit in kind to appeal to fleets so much. So, in fairness to the retailers, you know, it, 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 it's not easy. But what we need to do is obviously tell the app from our story. And it is a story. And it's a story which needs to be told to a wider audience. We can't just talk to the people which we've talked to historically. It's important that we do embrace the historic owners. And a big objective of mine is to make sure that we don't lose those Mito and Giulietta customers. Um, you know, we, we don't want to lose them from the brand. We want to keep them close because obviously there'll be things coming in the future. Um, but everything I've just said about the D segment and Julia is, is similar on the i two, which is the stelbio. So what we are, are very fortunate about is that I mean, uh, if your product isn't good, you've got a problem. But if your product is as good as our product, you know ninety percent of the job is done. It's just the other ten percent is pretty tough. and that's and that's the ten percent that we've we've got to work on. And I think we talked about passion and enthusiasm earlier. Not everyone understands this brand. you know they they just don't what I do believe is that, you know, it gets infectious. And I remember, um, and I actually have it in my office, actually, it's a picture of a, I think it's like a 1970s advertisement, which is kind of like the, it's almost describes the ALF, probably not very good to mention this right now. <laughs> you know, I know, you know exactly saying, where you're going with It's this. kind of like it's a virus, you know, <laughs> you should probably scrub this out of the interview. You know, and once once you've got a bit of it, you know, it sort of takes you over and, 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 and you're done really. It's kind of, and, 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 and you're into it and um and that and that and that but as bad as the analogy is in terms of the timing it's a good analogy and and that's that's what we need to work on with our retailers and 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 not not all of them are embracing the opportunity fully yet and what i want to do is get that across to as many as possible because what we do have is two genuinely and it's not just me saying this genuinely exceptional and that's the key word exceptional products which actually, if we are able to tell the Alfa Romeo story and get those uh, people behind the steering wheel, I think we've got a pretty good choice, uh, pretty good chance of um, of getting them to buy. That sounds very easy when I say it. It's it's, it's but it's, it's the ten percent which is the tough ten percent, really.
2: Interesting. We get members leaving who saying they say to me, oh, "I'm sorry, Nick, I'm leaving the club. We've sold the Alfa," and I always just reply, "Well, you know, you know where we are when you buy the next one." And the number of people who do come back later, oh, we bought another one. <laughs> and it's uh, you, you can't get away from it. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean it's um I, like like I said, my bad analogy in terms of is, is a good analogy. It's it's once you understand it and once you buy into it and it it becomes part of you, it's 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 it stays, I think.
2: Can I lead on to new products? I was in I, I was in my dealership this morning, as I mentioned,
1: and there was the Brat which, which sorry, which is your dealership, are we're not allowed to say it's like the BBC, you're not allowed to give an advert.
2: Yeah, m- my local one was Research Garage in an Eaton. Ah, okay, okay, I know. A good pal of mine, Sabah Ali, is the uh, sales.
1: You know, do you know what? I've heard great things about this guy. He's a, such a super fellow, he really is. Um, and I haven't met, I haven't met him yet because he wasn't around a couple of years ago, and I and I I need to get up there, yeah. He bought his own four C, uh,
2: uh, which is incredible at the age of twenty-five, I think. Yeah, but uh, lovely guy, and, and he's sold no end of cars. He's he sold ten to members in our region in, just since March. Ten cars, amazing. Different different ages. Uh, David bought one off him as well. So <laughs> there you go. He's he's a super guy. I say
3: I, I live on the south coast and I travelled up to him to buy my Julia. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, you, again, it's uh, he's known as an enthusiast and, and it's a it's a cracking setup there. So really pleased with them. In the showroom there was the new um, plug-in hybrid uh, Jeep Renegade. It's just just landed, and I'm hearing figures of 240 horsepower with the electric boost in it. Are we going to see this coming sooner rather than later? There was always rumour that we we might get a, an electrified Julia. How close are we to that kind of thing appearing?
1: In the in the short medium term, there will not be an electrified Julia. I mean, is the quick and is the straight answer. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the Renegade, um, I mean, obviously it's a big jump for the Jeep brand, and there will be big jumps for the Alpha brand going forward, embracing new technologies and and new fuel types, but. I mean, obviously, what we'd never do, and this is the, the important thing, is the, these two brands sit on their own. So we're never going to, you know, one has its own brand identity. When I mean, they have their own following of people in a similar way to to to, to us and you guys. You know, it's, yeah. um, so I mean, I understand the question. I completely get the point. Um, and there will be a moment when this obviously happens with Alfamart, and, and I think the key thing with Alfamart is the moment needs to be right. I mean, I remember many times we were asked, "Will we ever form, return to Formula One?" And eventually, of course, we will because it's and we did because it's it's part of our DNA, it's part of our roots, and 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 for sure, one of our you know our famous brand values is to be technologically advanced and all these kind of things. So these things are to come. But I mean, you've just picked up your model year twenty Julia, which I think will keep you happy for a short time. But you might have to wait a little bit a little bit longer for a. Uh, uh, yeah. Electrical hybrid solution.
2: That's fine. I mean, we've got hopefully the Tenali around the
1: corner. Tenali is is an amazing concept, obviously, and um, at some point in the, in the short in the future, obviously, we're going to see that car realised. I mean, it, it, at the moment, things are what with COVID and 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 um, factories being, being closed, closed. Doesn't matter whether you're making clothes, iPhones, movies, even James Bond was delayed, wasn't it? I mean, or, or indeed cars and Julia's. I mean, everything is kind of in a, in a bit of a staggered and, and being postponed, let me say. So, don't have a fixed time, fixed date yet for Tenali. I mean, I've seen the concept; but the concept is phenomenal, I and mean, it's a true hour for in every sense. And as soon as we've got more information and to show you guys, it would be an amazing, it would be a great opportunity to 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 get the club to see it early doors because I think it's important that. And it's the same. It's as I mean, you mentioned the Jeep comparison. I mean. In the same way that when you look at the Renegade Hybrid, Jeep have a similar following. And these these guys are skeptical because they want to make sure it's a Jeep. Jeeps need to do certain things. I mean, and and if you look at that Renegade 4xe, it's it's the most powerful Renegade ever. It's got the highest torque. It's got the highest towing capacity. And actually, the four-wheel drive system is the best that we've ever had. And it's important that when we embrace the next step for Alfa in those directions that we equally stick with the Alfa brand value and fulfil all those in the same way that we've just done for Jeep. So let's wait and see. But certainly the concept, which I've seen, is is stunning and amazing, and it gives us a hint as to what we can expect in the future.
2: What are your thoughts on um, the future of electric cars? Do you think we'll end up all being electric? Will we get the infrastructure in the end, or will we end up with fuel cells, or
1: where would you see that going? Well, you're asking the wrong guy, aren't you? Because basically... I'm like, <laughs> just for I just your opinion. I, like petrol engines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll write that down. I, so. I, th- I think um, going forward, diesel will become... I don't think the decline is going to be as huge as it was. If you think about it, if you plot it on a graph, it dipped with all the negativity and, and it's recovered somewhat. Petrol engines are becoming more and more efficient and hybrid, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, long-term... I, I I, I, I don't know, but for for me, it's important that, and it'll be interesting to see how. Again, a similar point to how I mentioned earlier is is how we translate our brand values into these developments. And you know, I'm I'm still the guy who likes to change down in a gear and hear the engine rev. So, but I think our, part of its brand value is technology and embracing all these kind of things. So, I think it'll be a very interesting dynamic time for the brand when the when when the when the time is right and. I I, I I think uh, it's an ever evolving marketplace at the moment, and I still think for well I know for certain for the next couple of years the developments to which we 've got are absolutely bang on what the market requires in the short term i mean let, 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 let let's let's see what the future the future holds, and I think it's an exciting time. And I've no doubt that afro will move with it. And I think there are very exciting times to, ha- to come. And I think Tenali is just a glimpse into the future. I think there's, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of exciting stuff to come.
3: You know, we, we are very fortunate that we have both the heritage and the story, but also, as you said, that in the Giulio and Stelvio, just the two most fabulous cars in the market kind of thing. So what can we do? What are the couple of things that we can do as an owners' club to bring those two together, to bring the story to new people and to our brand do you have a view on that because obviously you have a view of how you want to get dealers to motivate people through their doors and to and to get an from Romeo but are there things that we could or should be doing to to really make an impact in that area
1: yeah so I, th- I, th- I think first of all I mean I met with Paul uh, actually was it, it was a virtual meeting like everything has been recently but I think it's very fortunate that we've got Paul Jones who's First of all, he's a great guy um he's he's obviously working for SCA bank which is our banking partner and obviously he's he, he he's a key member of your team as it were he He brings an interesting dynamic because obviously his work dealer side is now for enthusiasts and also he's 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 a senior member of the club and i started to I had a had a meeting with him recently, and I think what we're going to set up in the short term is is some unique offers and discounts for, mem- for members to really kind of embrace that relationship going forward. I think we need to, we need to understand, I mean, our setup is not that we can attend every single event, but I think we need to ensure that we have a presence and support the club. And And bear in, mem- bear in mind, I mean, I've been a member of, the, I've been a member of the club as well myself. You know, it, it's, it, it, Alfa Ramon needs things like this. This is one of the things which differentiates it from another, another brand and, you know, we have a name of our followers, unlike others, you know, the Alfisti, And so I think anything which we can do, which brings us closer together, but for sure, for sure, for sure, anything that the club can do to get the brand in front of new people. And, and please don't misunderstand me because this isn't at the deficit of existing people because we want those existing people. And we'd have to work hard on those existing people for the reasons which I just mentioned, because a lot of them, you know, it's, we're selling now different cars to what we've done previously. Uh, and I think I said it a couple of times now. it's about telling the Alfa Romeo story. Is once people are semi engaged, and then we open a dialogue and they get to understand more, and then they get to drive the car, our chances of conversion are high.
3: Yeah, we've got, uh, well, myself included, but there's two or three guys who are members dedicated to the brand, have been in the Mito for years, and we went and tried a Julia, and now we own Julia's. So yep. I think. I think that's a really important point. Get them in the car. So put put aside the size difference in the segment and so on. We just need to get them in the cars. I
1: I, I, I agree. And there are cars out there which are bigger and drive like big cars. The Julia doesn't drive like a big car. So size size is all in the mind, as it were. But but it's kind of you know it's and and also some of the we we did do a good job at attracting young some younger people into Mito as well. And they're progressing in their careers and families, and, and and need a bigger car. But you look at the Julia, and you don't think that's a big car. You know, it's it's still it's still a very, as we as we mentioned earlier, you know, coupe esque compact executive car. Really, that's what we need to do: is we need to get more and more people behind the wheel and tell them the Alfa Romeo story. And I think that's the key thing. The issue we have, and let's let's be honest, is. Compared to some of our competitors, which, by the way, is part of the reason why I like the brand so much, is you don't see so many of them on the road. You know, it's 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 you just don't, and we have to be bit careful about that because that's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because they're not they're not all over the place and um, ubiquitous, and um, but at the same time, it, 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 it's easy not to be considered if that makes sense. So there's
0: a there's a Ferrari Enzo Ferrari quote that I love. He was he was asked once about why. They didn't sell more cars, which obviously they do now. Um, and he said we could sell all the cars that we make in California in a month. But then, but then it'd just be like a Porsche. So yeah, you know, there, there is an element of wanting to be special.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, let me be careful. I, I'd, I'd like to be slightly less special, if That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we'd all like that <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but 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 maintain all the reasons all the all the positivity and, and, and i and and i think clearly we can do that and um and 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 keep everyone happy really so
0: in in all the years I've been involved with the brand and I, I became passionate about Alpha in the early eighties and, and my first car was a an Alpha Sud sprint back uh. in eighty seven. There's always been talk about, you know, the imminent death of Alfa Romeo and and the brand not being long for this world. And and I saw some of that start to re-emerge as the, the merger was announced. But it seems to me that if you look at the, the current PSA portfolio and the FCA portfolio, there's nothing else that fits in the same same niche that the alpha does which i i assume we should take as as being reassuring
1: yeah i mean i i i think uh, and as a, i think you know i can't really comment on the merger for legal reasons but i think i mean AfroMo is it's not just an automotive brand it's 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 a very very powerful brand and i think it's an important brand within our stable even before the merger and i think you know we, we we've we've established ourselves in certain segments I think we've returned to motorsport in a big way with F1. So I I think, I think we're on, we're on a a journey. I think with the two cars, which we've got now, we've really, often when you have a product cycle, you know, it it takes some time. If you you think about the evolution, the 156 in the early, well, late nineties, which let's be honest, was phenomenal. And, and, and probably we, you know, we probably sold far too many cars, far too quickly. And, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know, you know, infrastructurally it was probably, you know, we weren't, we probably weren't weren't ready. In fact, probably is not the word, you know, it was, it was, it was, just amazing. I mean, the growth was just amazing. If a child grew, grew that fast in a year, you'd be taking them to the doctor. You know, it's just, it was just, it was just unbelievable. Um, and then the, the next cycle was 159, which was a pretty amazingly built car, but was probably bordering on a little bit heavy, was sturdy. And arguably perhaps, you know, we lost a little bit of our dynamism. And, and, you know, you look at Julia now and that, that is the car, you know, that is, that is every box ticked, you know, almost the perfect, perfect car. And I think, you know we've learned a lot in the last years and i think there's some exciting stuff to come people joke about the future of alfa Mario, but personally i think the alfa, Mario, alfa Mario is a brand which will grow will progress um it's a massively important car brand and i think with new technologies and things like that people will want to differentiate themselves even more and i think we have a following based on motorsport On pure driving pleasure and also style, which are probably three attributes which really—I don't want to say unique because someone could dispute it—but to me are unique. But give us a real flair which differentiate us from any other car brand. Really, I mean, the the most my favourite quote recently, which I think was from Top Gear when they did the GTA review, is: "If Ferrari made a four-door saloon, this is what it would look like with the GTA." And you know, you don't get Top Gear saying that about. Some of our competitors, you know, it's, you, you just don't, and that's what make out. That's what it makes Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. I,
0: I'm not one of those people who's a, a Nurburgring fetishist, but the the Nurburgring's been been quite a big part of the brand over the last few years. The you know the 4C was probably the first one where Alpha made a big fuss about the lap times for the for the 4C, and then it was obviously a big part of of both Julia and Stelvio, um, and the and the N ring editions. When are we going to see a GTA GTAM at the Nurburgring? We need that crown back, four door saloon crown back from from Jaguar.
1: A question. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to come back to you. I don't know what. But but I'm with you. It would be pretty. We've sort of started a pattern, so it'd be interesting. I think the car will be started to be driven publicly towards the end of the year. So you may you may not have to wait too long I don't even know if I'm honest with you the Nürburgring's even open at the moment to be honest because but I mean everything's kind of getting back to normal well hopefully everything's getting back to normal so so we'll see but uh but I'm with you I I think you're right I think we've got a very strong pattern there and and uh I for sure would be very excited to see the lap time
2: I think there was rumor that the the circuit had changed slightly but I've recently seen uh another brand uh, saying that they've got new records uh, in a different class. So hopefully it's open again. Hope so. We're all waiting
1: with bated breath. <laughs> no, I was saying, this is the thing at the moment. We're all watching the radio and turning on the TV to see where we can travel, where we can't. And it's a, it's a bit of a strange time, isn't it?
0: It is. And we, we, we've got an event planned, which is our first event of the year, Southern Alpha Day, um, on the 19th. So we're, we're frantically trying to find out whether we can still yeah. still go ahead as I'm sure many of our listeners will be aware, in, in the last couple of days, we've received the the very sad news that club stalwart John Dooley has passed away. John, as you know, was a, a massive part of the club for a, a, a huge period of time. Uh, we've run a series of articles on the history of um, of Portello and Oresi and Pemigliano over the last few issues of the magazine. And and John's history of, of visiting Portello and Oresi starts in the... In the mid '60s, when he was just a a very young man, um, worked for Alpha GB when uh, when you were in Edgware Road. Obviously, campaigned with the Afromeo dealer team in the the British Touring Car Championship and two two class wins. Um, so it's it's a massive loss for us. Um, really, just wondering whether that impact's been felt in Alpha UK, given the the distance between the time that he worked there and and now.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I was fully aware because um, that's the sad reality, isn't it? Bad news can travel quite fast really. And, and um, <clears throat> I'm in touch with quite a few people. I haven't been with a brand for a long time. And I found out just, a, just a few days ago um, through somebody who uh, again, it um, was a mutual friend of the brand and friends of us, all of us, I guess, um, and mass, obviously, he's a massive, massive loss. I I, I do remember meeting him um, a couple of times, uh, both at Goodwood. And also, um, we used to meet with you guys, kind of, I think it got to a bit of a tradition. I say tradition, we probably did it three or four times, around about Christmas, where we got together for lunch, which would be a nice thing to do again. And I, I, I do remember him being at the one, which we it was a bit of a surprise, where we brought the eight seed down. Um, I think I told you that we were going to drive the latest Meta or something, and we turned up with the HC, and it was nice because it was kind of so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it. I mean, he was a m- massive, massive advocate of the brand, and I, I know, he, I, I know he drove, I know, I know he raced, and obviously, I the Edgeware Road thing. I mean, due to the timing, most of the people. I don't think there's any crossover we have now. Um, versus those 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 times now, but, but 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 for sure, I got the message, and it was a an extremely you know sad thing to hear. And I know I know you guys are gonna, you know, I know you'll celebrate it, his life in a way through the magazine and the, and the site, and I think that's important. Um, you know, it's obviously a big loss to the to the to the brand and to you guys, and it's it's a, it's a, sad, a, a sad situation. So you know, I hope his hope his you know his family and everything and. I don't know what alphas he left to the family. So it must be interesting to know. So, but um, I don't know whether the love of the brand will live on with his with his with his relatives. Hopefully,
2: we think so for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, he's, he's you know um, his brother was in touch with Nick and myself uh, last week about it, and, and it just came completely out of the blue. I was only speaking to uh, to John um, a week, uh, two weeks ago, and. Uh, These things just hit you all of a sudden. I just wasn't expecting it at all. Um, But a tremendous guy, tremendous guy. His brother is a member of the club still. It lives on. Yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that, you know. We've recently set up the online archive uh, and John was a big part in in doing that. The guy sat there with his scanner going through, was it nearly 50, you know, over 50 years with the magazines, <laughs> getting them in the system. And, uh, you know, he would got a huge archive himself and, uh, uh, it, you know, he's got extra stuff that I think James will bring into that. Uh, so that will live on for certain. And I've got such tremendous memories of, of the guy. And uh, one that always sticks with me is when he took me around on, on a club track day back in 2002. And he was in, a, he was in a, his Cinquecento. <laughs> if you remember the, the 1100cc, 54 horsepower. And uh, my God, we lapped Mallory Park at one heck of a lick. To the point where we were closing on the 3.0-litre 75. <laughs> it was absolutely awesome. But that, that's, the, that's the man, really. He could have done those lap times all day, I'm sure. It was and, just awesome.
0: And not think there was anything remarkable about it. I mean, that No, just, that was the thing. When you, when you look at what he's done <laughs> over, over yeah. the years, I mean, he's just so humble. There's a, there was a quote that was yeah. posted on the forum, which I just think sums it up. Um, he was talking about the the days of the Alfa Romeo dealer team. Uh, yeah. and, and just talk, contrasting the fact that to do the BTCC now, you need half a million pound per car budget. Um, yeah. And they were doing it from the the back of a, a dealership and and tin cupping around the the dealers to get the the budget together. And he described himself as an ordinary bloke with an ordinary job and an ordinary wage, who happened to win the the British Sports Car, uh, Saloon Car Championship. Um, and it. one of our members said, I, "I remember coming thinking coming out and thinking, John, whatever you are, you're not ordinary."
2: Absolutely. I think his first Alfasud Ti racer was his company car. <laughs> Which is incredible.
0: <laughs> well, I think the the, the season that it, the, the last season it raced, it had done something like ninety thousand miles or something, didn't yeah, it, yeah,
2: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one. He told me because he did He did a talk for our local area section, and uh, apparently it was those really first ones had uh, had a had uh, shorter tie rods at the back, mm-hmm. and the handling was just unbelievable. So nothing could touch the thing. Just nothing could touch the thing. Forget the power to weight and all that. It was the handling of the machine. Plus, you've got to know how to drive it, and he was flipping good at that. Again, the number of people who contacted me to say, "Oh, John, helped me build my first ever race car." There yeah. must have been ten people said that to me in the last week.
1: Yeah, I, I never saw him drive properly, but I, I, I know he was a pretty amazing driver. Yeah. I'll send you a picture.
0: There's a picture of him at Alton Park, um com- com- completely sideways in a GTV6. It was just awesome.
1: Well. The- the the guy who told me about it is chris from who used to run mithril and he was he's a pretty good driver and he he, he, and he was saying what a good what an amazing driver he was so
2: yeah 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 and he he was even a bit of a mentor to you wasn't he david he was yeah i mean i think he as guy
3: said he was just a humble kind man Mm. do you know what i mean so um, you know, I'm some trumped up, you know, Mito owning, Mito racing guy. And um, yeah, he was just hugely supportive, guided us through things. We were working on articles from doing a Mito book that he helped me with. He he had all the contacts in Italy and he and he guided me through it. He was just a yeah, Alfisti through and through, but just a really nice guy. It didn't matter who you were, you were just um, you know, you were his friend. Yeah and you couldn't help but like him because he was just a really nice guy and his knowledge was unbelievable, oh, yeah. genuine, he knew things that I'll, you know, in the next 25 years, I still won't learn as much as he had in his head. So remarkable man, yeah.
2: I think he's, I think he's, inspi- he's inspired us really to to carry on with a lot of things. I think Guy, you know, we're discussing maybe having more kind of technical articles that he was such in favor of in, in, in the magazine going forward, things like that perhaps. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I, and to be honest, it's important. We are very fortunate as a brand to have, have had, had people like him and to have people like you. So, you know, it's it's it's. This is another thing. I mean, it's it's not a given, and I know a lot of you give a lot of your personal time, and and you have that passion and the enthusiasm, and you know, we're really grateful for that, and grateful to him and people like you, and really embracing the brand and all the things which you put into it and and and, and, it, and it, this is what makes our our unique you know this is this is the it's more than just a car brand it's it's it gets into your skin you know it's it's and it becomes part of you and it's become part of, it's, it's part of him and it's part of you and we're very fortunate and you know you're fortunate to have had him and we're fortunate to have you so you know, thank you to everybody in the in, in, in the club so, supporting the brand and i personally look forward to working with you look forward to hopefully meeting you again because to be honest it's just meeting anyone at the moment is pretty amazing but i'd love to meet you guys and um and let's get back to that kind of where we were before where we're meeting a group of you a couple of times a year and and showing you what we're doing and giving you insights in terms of the things we're working on what we can tell you what you know insights into the future and also getting you to drive some of the latest cars that we've got on our you know just arrived as it were and show you things at the same time as our network so you know we're i personally thank you for your time thank you for the opportunity today to speak with the members and and um I'm, i'm you know it's 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 we look forward to meeting meeting with you again and working with you very closely in the future
0: i can't think of a better way to end the podcast thanks very much damien Thanks, Damien. And thanks also to John, to Nick and to David. That's all for this week. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks' time as usual. This time we'll be having another Meet the Board session when we'll be joined by former Alpha racer Jonathan Griffin, who, along with Grant Richardson, is responsible for helping to develop the club's sections. Episode 15 will be available from 1.30 on the 27th of September from all the usual sources, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and all the other good places that podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe.